right. Well, last week, if you were here with us, we talked about our first love for Jesus and rekindling that first love. And part of our relationship with Jesus is um, being molded into his image, right? But the tricky thing about that is, is when we go through life, that's hard. That's hard to do, to be molded in the image of Christ because our flesh kind of pulls us away sometimes. It's like um, last week we, we talked about the Super Bowl party and Otto's communion meditation. He talked about all the food that is consumed on Super Bowl Sunday. Remember that, all the wings and pizza and everything consumed. And at our Super Bowl party, we did a pretty good job of that. I mean, we, we, we contributed to that whole effort. And we didn't have wings and such, but we had chili and pulled pork and we had chips and dip and we had cookies, we had scotch roos. We had tons of stuff there. And somebody brought also a fruit and a vegetable tray. And I wondered how, how, much, how many vegetables are consumed as opposed to chicken wings on Super Bowl Sunday. But in the spirit of our New Year's resolutions and trying to lose weight and stuff and whatnot, there was one there. Now, as I went through that multiple times, I think it was like the seventh or eighth time going through the line grazing, I stopped, I stopped and I, I paused and I just about reached for a thing of broccoli. But I didn't. <laughs> I reached right over it and I grabbed some chips and more chips and more dips and whatnot. See, at that moment, there was a little war going on. You know, my mind, my taste buds, my whatever endorphins that are released when you eat scotcheroos and cookies and chips and dip, they, they, they were wanting to reach for that. But my mind and my waistline and the visual of me looking at the scale, right, I wanted to reach for the broccoli. But the junk food won. And in a very similar nature, every day we fight something like that on a spiritual level. Between the flesh, what it wants to do and pulls us towards sin and fleshly desires, and the spirit living inside of us. And they're fighting and they're combating. And so today I thought what we'd talk about is the fruits of the spirit. So we can look back and make sure that these are evident in our lives and we're strengthening that. That part of our existence, that part of our life. And as Paul did in Galatians that we've been looking at on Thursday night, he talked a lot about this war going on, flesh, spirit. And the first thing he did is he laid out the deeds of the flesh. So let's go ahead and lay those out today and look at those real quick. They're in Galatians 5, 19 through 21. Paul says this. Now, the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So while we're not going to break those down to that, it's not the purpose of the sermon, it's to, it's to present a backdrop for the fruits, which are opposite of this, but notice how he concludes, and that's an eye-opener. That should make all of us sit up a little straighter, because Paul's talking to believers, and he says, look, those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And that's not Mark, that's the Apostle Paul. So this is very serious. And how do we win this, this battle going on inside between the deeds of the flesh or the spirit? Rick always characterizes, excuse me, <clears throat> characterizes that as inside of us we have a black dog and a white dog fighting. You remember that analogy? The black dog is the flesh, the white dog is the spirit, and they're at war. And who does he say is going to win? Yes, the one we feed the most. We're feeding the white dog. The white dog's going to win. Feeding the black dog through deeds of the flesh, the black dog's going to win. 
Jesus said something similar in summary of Matthew 7. He said, <clears throat> he said good trees produce good fruit. Bad trees produce bad fruit. Pretty common sense. He said, you will be recognized by your fruit. You'll be recognized. Are you a good tree or a bad tree? Pretty simple. Pretty simple. So the first thing we have to, we have to keep in mind when we're talking about this fruit being a good tree, feeding the white dog, is that the fruits of the Spirit that we're going to look at today are singular in nature. We're going to talk about quite a few of them, but it's all meant to be one fruit that we all have all these characteristics. Now, some of them might be a little bit, a little bit more in our lives than others. <clears throat> we might be more loving than we are, say, and might be struggling with self-control, but the idea is that all of these encompass a Christian, so we need to look at that in our lives today, whereas the deeds of the flesh, hopefully not, and I'm surely not, where we might struggle with a few of them every now and then, the fruit of the Spirit is one. We need to have all of this in our lives. So let's read about the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5, 22 through 23. But in contrast, there's that word. We talked about that last week a little bit. But in, in contrast to those deeds of the flesh, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience or forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Some people, when they've read this verse, something pops up as problematic in their mind. And do you know what that is? That is, they say, look, I know my neighbor, and he is an atheist, and he doesn't love God. He wants nothing to do with God. God is not in his life, in his heart, but he's loving. I could work next to a guy at work who has told me numerous times, again, through his behavior, speech, and conduct, nothing to do with God, hates God, doesn't want him in his life, but I've seen him be joyful. What's going on? How is that possible? How is fruit of the Spirit, love and joy, how is that different than what we see in the world? <clears throat> well, in this first characteristic of, of love, certainly in a human sense or in that neighbor comparison we just did, there's a natural or a human nature to love a husband for his wife. Even a non-Christian husband can love his wife. Or a mother for her child. That's a natural form of love. Paul's talking about something that's a little different in category. It's a spiritual love, right? In fact, <clears throat> if you remember Jesus, what did Jesus say was the greatest commandment? He said it's to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, right? And then he said the second of these is to love your neighbor as yourself. So part of the fruit of the Spirit, love that we need to be looking at, first of all, is our love for God. Did you know that before you had the Spirit, you were touched by the Spirit, and you were changed by the Spirit, and He's molding you into something new, He gave you a new heart, a new creation in Christ, that we were enemies of God? Did you know that? We were actually at war with Him? Colossians 1, 21 says this, that once you were alienated from God and were, what? Enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now, as I said, we've been changed by the Holy Spirit. And now instead of being enemies, instead of this hostility and adversarial relationship, we can do what to God? Now we can love him. So I think the first fruit of the Spirit of being love is twofold. It's not only love your God like Jesus said for us to do with all our heart, mind, and our soul, is, but then he also talks about the neighborly aspect of love. And how is that different for a Christian versus the non-Christian neighbor who has 
natural love. Well, what's the love chapter in the Bible that we've all probably heard at weddings before and maybe you've had it read at your wedding? It's 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And in studying it this past week, boy, I looked at this love in relation to the fruit of the Spirit in my life. And I, I just encourage you to do the same thing. Um, I think you'll notice some things, how you love your spouse, how you love others. Because remember, this is how I love you know, Lisa Hendricks and Daniel and how I love Gary and how I love Rick. And how, it's not just a husband and wife thing. This is love right here that Paul says. And remember, he starts off uh, 1 Corinthians 13, 1 by saying this beautiful introduction, if I speak with the tongues of men and angels, even if I'm up here and I've got this beautiful angelic language that I'm uttering, but I don't have love, basically I have nothing. I've become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. I'm just up here blowing hot air. That's how important love is to others, the spirit of love in us, because here it is that's different than the world. It's patient. Love is kind, and it's not jealous. Love does not brag, and it's not arrogant. It does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own. It's not provoked. It does not take into account a wrong suffered. That's hard. It does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. That's the picture of love from the Holy Spirit that's supposed to be a fruit, supposed to be coming out of our lives. A beautiful picture of action. Action, not a feeling. Love is action and doing. So the question is this morning that we have to look at, and there's a spot in your notes if you want to write it down, is is there anything hindering this love in your life? That's really the bottom line. Is there something hindering this love? Think about that. A love that is selfless. What's stopping that? And I bet if we put our answers together next week, I bet in one category, a lot of us would put, has something to do with time. Time and the lack of time. And being in a sense of hurriedness that we're always in. Because to love somebody or love something, we know as spouses and as parents into our children, it takes time to love. It takes time. And so this concept of hurry that we have in our society, I think, stops that. When I... Think of some of the worst moments I've had as a dad, right? When I've snapped at Otto when he was little, or Olivia. It was because I was running around. I was rushed. I had deadlines. I had to get here, get there. And then I snap. And, you know, it's ugly time. We need to stop rushing around and take time to love people and take time to love God. God is love. The Holy Spirit who's producing this fruit in us is what? Love It needs to flow through us. Joy is the second fruit of the Holy Spirit. In regard to joy, our neighbor that we talked about earlier, he might be laughing, he might be having a good time, he appears to be merry. So what's that about? He's joyful. What's this joy of the Holy Spirit? Well, in Isaiah 53, we get a very detailed prophetic picture of Jesus. You should read it. It's amazing, 700 years before Jesus came to earth. Part of that, there's a little sentence in there about halfway down that says, Jesus will be a man of sorrows. And boy, didn't that come true. Think of his life on earth, betrayed by his friends, betrayed with Lazarus. He wept, he felt pain, he felt sorrow, physical pain he felt, you know, obviously on the cross and the beatings he took. 
he, had, he was a man of sorrows, but still Jesus had this joy that we're talking about, a fruit of the Holy Spirit, that deep in his soul there was this trust that the Father would make everything right. Right, And that's the same type of joy that we as Christians should be feeling in our lives. That no matter what is happening around us, circumstances, Nancy's father, Nancy, there needs to be, for a Christian, there's this joy that's just deep in our soul. Right? That's the joy of the Holy Spirit that the world doesn't know because they don't have that relationship with God and the Holy Spirit living inside of them. Is there anything this morning, your question is, is that's robbing you of this joy? Is there anything that's robbing that joy of your salvation? Is it doubt? Is it fear? Is it anxiety for some reason, for something? Anxiety is a very real thing. We, parents, to your kids, we need to talk about fear and anxiety because the devil is trying to rob us of joy, and we shouldn't let him. Peace. The third fruit of the Spirit mentioned here is peace. Again, comparing it to the worldly peace, what do you think of when you think of peace not a fruit of the Spirit peace, but peace in the world. It's, I think, of the Middle East, right? I think of Middle East peace, then war. Then Middle East peace, then war. Middle East peace for a while, then war, right? What's the peace that the Holy Spirit gives us? Our peace has really nothing to do with the world. Our peace is with who? With Him, through Christ. That's a fruit of the Spirit. And, and that peace that we have that we need to rest on and reflect on and look back and make sure it's evident in our lives is a peace that, not like that Middle East example, will erupt into war someday again. It's an everlasting peace. It is a peace that's eternal. It's forever. Why is our peace everlasting? Because the Prince of Peace purchased it for us. Right? We don't have to worry about war erupting someday between God and us being enemies again, like backsliding and then having a lightning bolt come down and strike us. We don't have to worry about that because we live under his grace and his mercy and his kindness and his peace that Christ has assured for us for the cross as he took the punishment for our sins. You know, a scripture verse that I love talking about this is Jesus in the upper room. I look at that stained glass window and I think of it. John chapter 14, you know it. It starts off where Jesus is talking to his disciples and he says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. For in my Father's house are many dwelling places. He starts off like that. And then later on in the, in the course of the text, he comes to, we come to 27 and he says, peace, I leave you. My peace. This is Jesus' peace. Peace, fruit of the Holy Spirit. My peace I give you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled, nor let it be fearful. This is the peace we read about that passes understanding, the peace that Jesus gives us when we turn our lives over to him. Is anything robbing you of peace this morning? I certainly hope not. And if so, let's, let's go out for coffee and talk about it because Christ has purchased that for us. The fourth, the fourth fruit of the Spirit is patience. Being a very antsy guy, this one is very, I don't really like this one too much, to be honest. No, this one's very hard for me. Uh, I've always been just an anxious type of person. And so patience is, is tough. But as a fruit of the Spirit, I think back to patience. And, and what it means is that it means you're actually forbearance or long-suffering. And it's, it's, under, it's given the assumption that Christians were under attack um, back in the day, obviously, and even today with the world, with Satan, with our society, and that we have to long-suffer, endure, have patience through it. Right? What's an example that I think of? Well, I read this 
definition for patience, and it's waiting without complaint, which is why I need to work on patience, which is a good point, guys, because like I said, this fruit, we all should have these characteristics, but some are going to be better than others in our lives, and we need to foster the ones that we need to work on, and this is one I need to foster and work on. But waiting without complaint, I think of my mom and the fruit of the spirit of patience that was in her as she was diagnosed and went through brain and lung cancer for three years and progressively got weaker and weaker and weaker and worse and worse and worse, right? And just got to the point to where she just wanted to go home and be with God and be with Jesus, you know? But throughout that whole process, she had this fruit evident in her life. She long suffered through that ordeal. She was patient, never cursing God, never blaming God. She had that fruit evident in her life. And I know that you guys have been through similar examples and know that also, have seen that also. If patience is something you need to work on, like me, jot it down, hold yourself accountable. Pray this week that the Holy Spirit will help you with that. What's another fruit of the Spirit? Kindness. Kindness, that's the fifth fruit. Simple question, are you a kind person? Would people define you as a kind person? Me knowing most of you, I would say absolutely yes, you are. But the opposite of kindness is what? Mean-spiritedness. And that's what I want to draw the contrast to today. Because the world, there's so much mean-spiritedness going on right now. Is there not? I think back to just watching this impeachment stuff and and just the last couple months at that level. Mean-spiritedness, oh my gosh. When you get to just turn your TV on and you listen to any comedian, half of the, re- half of the way they get a laugh is mean-spiritedness. Songs, movies, whatever, it just, it's just not kind. We as Christians are called to be kind people. Not mean, we're not to be mean. We're not to be mean-spirited to anybody. The neighbor, he might be kind, again, to people he loves, but what about people he, he's having troubles with? Well, he's mean-spirited. Nah, not us. A fruit of the Spirit, we're kind to everyone. And why? Why are we kind to everyone? Because God loved us and showed us kindness when we were still his enemy that we read earlier. Right? So we need to love our enemies and be kind to everyone because God did us. Now notice this, that the fruit of the Spirit, what these qualities are is what? Being molded into the image of Christ. These are God's qualities. These are Christ's qualities. It's his Holy Spirit, the part of the Trinity that's in us. He wants to build and wants to shine through us and show his qualities. God is kind, so kind to us. We need to show that and be molded into Christ's image who is directly the image of the Father and be kind to others. Kindness, what's keeping you from kindness? Is it, is it a prideful heart? Do you think you're better than somebody else? Whatever it is, if something's holding you back, mark that down. Let's notice the fruit of kindness in your life. The next fruit is goodness. Goodness is literally to work for the benefit of others. In chapter 6 here in Galatians, a little bit later, we see that Paul admonishes them to continually do good. Never stop doing good. So what is being goodness when we see that fruit in our lives? Well, it's just being kind and being good to others without expecting something in return. That's the key for this fruit as we look for it in our lives. It's not expecting something in return. Um, On Thursday night in the Bible study, we talked about tithing. And we talked about giving our tithe. And we talked about, in reality, what? Everything we have is God's. Uh, Not just our little tithe we bring to church, but my house and my car and my whole bank account. Everything is God's. The whole world is God's. 
but I bring this tithe and I give to partner with God and whatever he's working on in the world and aligning our missions with his. But I don't ever do it expecting anything in return. I don't give $100 to think about, oh, you know, God's going to bless me with 1000 next week. Yeah, let's, do, let's give that way. And the same, we don't do that. And the same thing with giving acts of goodness or performing acts of goodness to others. This fruit is we do good to our brothers and sisters in this room when we see a need to do it, and we don't expect something in return. We don't do it with an attitude like, oh, I'm going to put a bunch over here in this credit account, and then when I need help, boy, they better help me. That's not what this is getting to. The fruit of goodness is being good without expecting something in return. It's an action. Is there something keeping you from that? Is that your lowest fruit, let's say, part of the fruit in your life? Is it laziness? Is it lack of motivation? Something for you to think about. Faithfulness is the next fruit. It actually is the same word as faith, and it stems from this idea of being faithful to God and others. The fruit of the Spirit, faithfulness. And this characteristic seems to me anyway to be in very short supply in the world because tied with this is this idea of loyalty, right? Matter of fact, one author translated this term, loyal love, And with our focus on self and the elevation of self in our world, this idea of being loyal to others is just so rare. When you find a loyal friend, man, hold on to that friend. Be loyal back because that is such a rare thing. And when you're hurt by a loyal friend, that hurts even more. I think of, when I think of loyalty slash the opposite of betrayal, I think of Braveheart. Has anybody seen that movie? couple people have Braveheart. There's this scene. You should YouTube this scene. Just put betrayal scene in Braveheart and, and look at it. It's Mel Gibson is betrayed by Robert the Bruce in this critical moment of the movie, and he unveils the mask, and he sees his friend who he thought was loyal but just betrayed him, and he is shocked. I mean, Mel Gibson, it was probably his best acting performance that I've ever seen him do. He is, it just about slayed his spirit, this betrayal of a loyal friend. The Holy Spirit gives us this fruit that we're talking about in this regard, faithfulness, loyalty. Again, because, <clears throat> excuse me, again, because the Spirit gives us these virtues that do what? They mirror God. God has always been loyal to us. God has never betrayed us. God will never betray us. This is part of his characteristic. He wants the Spirit to shine through in our lives. What hinders that? Is it putting yourself first? Is it selfishness? Well, the final couple fruits of the Spirit, gentleness. As the Spirit inside of us is molding us into the image of Christ, we come to gentleness. And this is one that Jesus actually uh, defined himself as gentle. Let's read that passage. It's in, it's in Matthew eleven twenty nine. Jesus says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. To be gentle, to be like Jesus in this regard. It can also be translated meekness, which is describing basically an animal with all his spirit and all his life under control. Meekness is power under control. Aristotle said it describes a a person who, who is always angry at the right time but never angry at the wrong time. It's power under control, gentleness, meekness. And lastly, we get to self-control. 
the discipline, this fruit given to us by the Holy Spirit to help us do what? Combat that black dog. Have a little self-control. Put that black dog to death as much as we can. Crucify the flesh, right? And it's hard. I know it's hard. That's that struggle, that war that we all have. But we feed the white dog, and it can overcome that black dog. And we can do it. And God gives us through a fruit of the Holy Spirit self-control to do that. We just need to tie into it. We need to walk in the Spirit and get aligned to the Spirit and pray and get strengthened by the Spirit. And we can do it. We can overcome those deeds of the flesh. Sure, we're going to backslide every now and then, but we can do it. We can overcome that. And the white dog can come victorious, can become victorious. Paul ends this section on fruit of the Spirit with this one kind of interesting statement. He says... Against such things, there is no law. What what does he mean by that? Against such things, there is no law. Well, I think he means this, that those deeds of the flesh that we talked about earlier, the Mosaic law slayed us in regards to those. The Mosaic law's deeds of the flesh, it killed us. The law killed us. But if we have fruits of the Spirit, it won't. There's no crime against being joyful. There's no law against love. It's not a crime to have patience. That's what he's saying. The Mosaic law is not going to condemn you if we have the fruits of the Spirit in our lives. There's no law against such things. There is no law. So, surely, in our lives, we need to see evidences of these fruit. If you're, if you're visiting here today, I'm so glad you are, but, you know... Obviously, I don't know your relationship to Christ. I hope you love him and you're a committed Christian and you know him as your savior. Come back. I encourage you to come back and be part of our church family. Those of you who I do know, which is about everybody else, I know that you believe in Jesus as your Lord. I know that you totally recognize him as, as the Lord of your life and that his sacrificial death on the cross took your place and he bore your punishment there and you're saved. But what we need to do is make sure that we look back in our lives as a result of that now and we see these fruit. It's not, it's not just like a, a maybe they're there. This is a necessity, right? This is absolutely a necessity. This has to happen because I didn't just invent this fruit you know, for my sermon, looking back in your life and seeing this fruit. This wasn't just like an invention from Mark. This was words from our Lord himself said this. And so let's look at this parable and conclude with this. Lord, or Luke 13, 6 through 9, we read this. Jesus talking. He began telling this parable. A man had a fig tree which had been planted in his vineyard, and he came looking for fruit on it and did not find any. And he said to the vineyard keeper, Behold, for three years I have come looking for fruit on this fig tree without finding any. Cut it down. Why does it even... Use up the ground. And he answered and said to him, Let it alone, sir, for this year too, until I dig around it and put in fertilizer. And if it bears fruit next year, fine. But if not, cut it down. Boy, we need to have fruit in our lives, guys. The fruit of the Spirit. I think we all get the picture of what Jesus is saying. If we're not doing so already, we should get serious about fruit production in our lives because the fruit of the Spirit comes from the Spirit, but we play a part in it. We play a hand in its production. And we can all 
look back and, and work on that in our lives and in the upcoming weeks, months, and years. So my charge to you this morning is simply that. Let's make sure we're doing our part in cultivating the fruit. As we experience that joy we talked about earlier, that settled, done joy at the bottom of our soul, what Christ has done for us on the cross and the victories we have in Christ. Let's stand and sing today. Joyful, joyful, we adore you because indeed we have joy deep down in our soul.